This is the Entrepreneurial CPA Podcast, teaching millennials how to think outside the box to become entrepreneurial leaders by reconceptualizing the industry therein. Brought to you by C3 Evolution Group with your host, Garrett Wagner. Welcome to our podcast, where we sit down with some of the top current and emerging leaders in the public accounting landscape. We get a chance to learn from their successes. I've heard someone much smarter than you say, we all need to sit at the feet of amazing people and just listen to them talk. We hope that everyone listening today can learn at least one thing from this podcast and take away some great insights that help them grow and be successful personally and professionally. Today, we are extremely lucky to have Brian Eberly be part of our podcast. Brian is a co-founder and partner at Hayrock Solutions, and his passion is to work with CPAs to help them be more relevant and valuable to their business owner clients and also grow profits and shareholder value in the process. As Brian says, sadly, I've witnessed too many CPAs stepping over dollars to pick up nickels. Using his wealth of experience and knowledge, Brian shows firms how to deliver the kind of proactive, value-added service that modern business owners and entrepreneurs are looking for. Brian, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Garrett. No problem. I I love your tagline there where it talks right up front about that passion. Like, this is what you're passionate about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think passion is key in anything anything that you do. I mean, you need to have a reason to jump out of bed excited um, and tackle whatever it is that, that you're tackling. If you're not passionate about it, um, it it's going to be hard to uh, really be at the top of the pinnacle or, or um, really maximize your, you know, your potential as a person and as a business person. Great. Now, I know you don't have a traditional CPA background, so what made you get into this uh, public accounting, public accounting consulting landscape? Yeah, originally when I graduated uh, college 10 or 15 years ago now, um, well, actually before that, when, when I was kind of going in and, and picking my major, I wanted something, uh, something exciting, something I could come out of college and have a good work-life balance. Um, something really that had unlimited earning potential. I wanted to make a good living so I can travel and, you know, just do all those fun things uh, that you can if you if you uh, are making a good living. Um, so in college, I opted for um, traditional finance over accounting. Uh, and it's funny, my I did have some accounting classes, and the last accounting class I had in college was, um, I don't know, the second or third level accounting class. And uh, my professor uh, made me promise that I would never take another accounting class. And if I made him that promise, he would give me a C rather than a D or an F, which I probably deserved. Um, so I knew at that point uh, I, I might not have been smart enough to, to graduate from the accounting courses and go on to pass my CPA and, and do all that. So from there I went into um, you know traditional financial advisory services, help people with their retirement and, and all that good stuff. Um, about five years ago here, I, I saw another opportunity which was in the accounting profession. And I uh, had some great mentors in the industry and I, um, I really started to learn about the accounting profession, reading publications, uh, things like the Horizon 2025 report, um, I've always worked with CPAs through being a financial advisor, um, and I just noticed this huge paradigm shift that was starting to happen from backward-looking accounting 
um, or taxing compliance to more forward-looking, you know, adding value or, or helping add value to your clients. Um, so I thought I had some ideas on, on how I could help empower CPA firms to do exactly that, to, to help them uh, add more value and provide forward-looking services so they became more relevant uh, to their clients. So that was probably about four or five years ago. Um, fast forward to now, I have um, six other partners at the, at, uh, as we speak here today. Five years ago, I had one other partner. Um, and two of my partners are actually accountants by trade. So we have uh, a little more, as a firm, a little more um, history and a little more background from the accounting world. Um, but that's that's really where we are today and, and how I got into the accounting industry. I, I just saw a, an opportunity um, with regard to the paradigm shift that we see happening here in public accounting. Uh, and obviously, anytime there's movement change, uh, it just creates enormous opportunity. Well, that's great, especially like you said with that paradigm shift. It's great that you have that outsider viewpoint because when a lot of traditional CPAs are, are you know, they've been taught to be a CPA for maybe 30 years, this traditional old school way, and to make that shift is very, very hard. So it probably helps having you have this different mindset of not coming from all the old ways, but just this fresh, different mindset to help shake things up a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Um, CPAs do do a very good job at, at being super busy. Uh, I heard someone say recently they're too busy to pull over and get gas, and uh, eventually they'll end up running out of gas. Um, but it but it is good to have that fresh perspective, like you say, Garrett, and be able to get them to step back and really see what's going on and uh, empower them to uh, or give them the confidence to make that jump. Um, you know, because, like I said earlier, any change is tough. But the fact that, um, you know, one of my partners, for instance, is an accountant who made the exact jump in the paradigm shift from backward-looking accounting to forward-looking accounting, he did that over 20 years ago. So um, we, we have experience of, you know, walking in the in the shoes of of these CPAs. So we're not we're not saying, hey, just trust us. We got an idea here. It's Hey, we've we've done this for collectively over 20 plus years. Let us guide you and let us hold your hand along the way as you make that that jump and that change. It was great. They definitely need that help. So I got to ask you this. You know, a lot of times we ask our people this question, and they they went to school for accounting, so they had different expectations. Um, so for you, what was your biggest surprise when you started to work more closely with CPA firms and advise them on how to be? proactive with this paradigm shift. What surprised you the most when you got into it? Yeah, so five years ago, that's a great question, Derek. Five years ago, it was frustrating because you think you have a good idea and you, you kind of start to see as an outsider, I think it may be easier to see that paradigm shift um, than if you're just buried in it day to day. Um, so it was frustrating at times to bring what I thought, and obviously I'm a little biased, there were our <laughs> They were, there are our ideas, um, but you bring great ideas of, of how a CPA can start to transform and become more relevant and become, um, you know, more of that trusted advisor that their business owner can't live without. And, and you bring these ideas, and it all sounds good, but they don't, you know, the CPA firms weren't acting upon it. They weren't taking the advice. They weren't jumping. Uh, they weren't open to that change. 
Um, so that was probably the biggest surprise or the biggest challenge, and that was five years ago. I would tell you it's a little different today. Uh, I think with the advances in technology, um, you know, all weekend I was, uh, I don't know what was on the TV, but I kept seeing that H&R Block commercial with uh, IBM Watson and how IBM Watson oh, yeah. was finding, you know, all kinds of different tax deductions for customers at H&R Block. Um, so things like that and, and just the advances of technology and big data and all that good stuff out there over the last few years, I think it's making our job easier as the outside consultant because it's, you know, five years ago, I think it was a nice to have. It was nice uh, for a CPA to add advisory services or to uh, deliver more proactive services, and it was, uh, like I said, a nice to have. Now it's almost like a, they have to have it or they're going to go out of business in three or four years or five years, whenever that may be, uh, when when technology starts to, or I shouldn't say starts, to continue to uh, replace and uh, minimize the need for uh, the old-school accountant, like you said earlier, Garrett. So with that, do you think it will ever fully replace the traditional accountant, or do you think there will always be some sliver still hanging on of that more traditional, backwards-looking compliance work? Um, I don't know. I, I think there will there'll always be a sliver um, holding on, but who knows? I mean, <laughs> we don't know what we don't know, right? And I'm definitely not a, a technology wizard. I don't know what it's going to look like in five or ten years when I start reading into uh, the things that artificial intelligence, things that are going on in that space, and um, quite frankly, it becomes a little scary of, of some of the advances and where we could be in ten years. Um, what I do think is there's a massive, massive opportunity um, for the CPA firms to deliver value uh, to their best clients, and I, I believe their clients are desperate to receive that value uh, because no other advisors are, you know, not just accountants, no other financial advisors, uh, insurance reps, uh, you know, just different advisors that a successful business owner would have. Very rarely they're delivering value. Um, and, and helping those business owners achieve their big picture goals uh, and really achieve their uh, their big business outcomes is what we call that Hayden Rock. Um, and I think the CPAs are in a perfect position to deliver that because typically speaking, they are the most trusted advisor. I think three, four, five years from now, um, some of these other advisors will be catching up and CPAs will be competing with people that aren't necessarily CPAs. So... I do think there's some opportunity, uh, tremendous opportunity, but there's also some challenges, I believe, if, if uh, accounting firms and CPAs don't start to reinvent themselves. Which is great. No, there's definitely, you're right, tremendous opportunity for these CPA firms in this prime role, and it's, it's what makes public accounting an amazing career to get into right now in the industry because, exactly like you said, you're coming into an industry where you're going to be that key trusted advisor consultant for the next 10, 15, 20 years, no longer you get to spend your entire career preparing and reviewing a cash return. That might still be a part of it as you go, but now you're going to be this, this incredibly valuable trusted consultant advisor, which is a fun, exciting profession that should appeal to a whole generation of people. I agree, Garrett. And, and if uh, I was coming out of college today or was studying in college, I would definitely I would definitely be more interested in in that career you just described in public accounting. Uh, it's definitely one that I would sign up for, and obviously I've, I've got a lot more experience in that space now, and we're helping uh, accountants every day uh, transform. But 
I, I think it's an unbelievably uh, exciting time to come into the profession. Um, and if, if I were, like I said, a college student coming out of school, it's definitely one that I would be looking into. Which is great, which is you know, the mess, one of the messages this podcast is trying to send, to send it out there. One thing I'll share with you on speaking of technology and how it will change in the future, I was talking to a college recently about this topic and the transition in the services and um, big data and all those things. And, you know, I think the kid was 20. He asked me a very interesting question. I asked a guest in the CPA firm clientele. He says, okay, this is great. How long until artificial intelligence then does all the consulting work for you? Um yeah. Like it's, it's a very interesting point. And I'm like, you know, at some point it will start to continue. That'll be the next leap for that AI is, okay, now we're doing all the compliance work. How do we start doing the advisory work? It's sort of take a little bit to get there and our role will always evolve. But it's interesting to hear how that's like the first thing that popped into a 20 year old's head <laughs> wasn't, this is a crazy idea that computers are on the work. It was, okay, when does the computer do the next part of the work? Yeah, no, that that is a great question. I think there will always be the need for a quarterback. Um, so I think every business owner out there will need a trusted quarterback that they could go to regardless of their need. They wake up in the middle of the night and they need help with uh, leadership or culture inside their business. They need to know that they can call upon uh, their trusted advisor, most relevant advisor, who we think should be the CPA or the CPA firm. Um, so I, I think regardless how advanced, technology becomes, successful business owners are always going to want to have their their go-to advisor uh, that they could call upon regardless of what the issue is and know and feel confident that they're going to get pointed in the right direction. Now, that that accountant um, or CPA might point them to a tool for that particular need to uh, help them that may empower or use artificial intelligence. Um, but I think ultimately there's there's always got to be that human touch and that human contact there. Yeah, no, that's, that's an excellent point that most places will never fully go away but continue to evolve and they're still going to want that. They'll still need that main person to talk to. So, you know, for you, you've clearly had tremendous successes in your career. What mindset do you have that, that helps you be so successful in forward thinking in, in everything that you do? Yeah, I think for me, um, my uncle, when I was uh, probably 10, 15 years ago, he's had a lot of success. He's always somebody I looked up to as a mentor. Um, just, just a good business sense, good business mind. Um, and he had, uh, I think we're actually, well, I know we're on the back of a boat uh, on one of the waterways out in uh, California and, uh, celebrating my cousin's wedding. And he had asked me, what, what do you think the definition of success is? And uh, at that point, I probably had a few glasses of wine, so I'm sure I tried to make something up, but I didn't really um, – I didn't have a clear, concise answer. And, and he had told me the definition of success is not being afraid to fail. Um, and, and ever since that day, anybody who's ever asked me the definition of success, it's very clear, don't be afraid to fail. Um, and I think that's a big piece of, of what you just asked, Garrett, not being afraid to fail. Um Really keeping in your mind nothing is impossible, and um, if you have a dream or a vision, uh, really anything could be accomplished. Um, you just have to have a plan to attack that dream or that vision, um, and then you have to have the desire to, to jump out of bed every, every morning and, and 
chase that dream or vision until you until you accomplish it. And regardless of how many people tell you no or tell you you're crazy because that's not doable, uh, you have to know that it is absolutely uh, doable. And regardless what roadblocks you hit, you just got to keep going and going until uh, until you realize that dream uh, of whatever your initial vision was. But you those some great advice right there. Um, so with that, you know, you talk about the desire, overcoming the roadblocks, don't being afraid to fail. Is that stuff that you just inherently learned throughout your life, or is that stuff that you more learned in college? I'm always curious to hear where people learn these these tools to help them make them great and successful. Yeah, I don't think it was uh, necessarily in college. Um, one of the other things my uncle uh, told me not to make this all about my uncle, um, but, but another thing that he had told me that I think stuck with me a while was when he just said, when I graduate college, uh, find the most successful people in the business that I'm pursuing and watch their traits, their characteristics, watch what makes them tick, watch what they do on a daily basis, try to get to know them, learn them, um, and not, don't just do it for one individual, do it across, you know, the top ten individuals in a certain profession, um, and then kind of take the pros and cons of each and, and really learn from it and make it your own. Um, and, and don't worry about making money in those first 10 years once you come out of college. Just try to, uh, like I said, find the successful people and learn what makes them tick. Um, so I, I think that's where I learned a lot of uh, what I'm, you know, what, what my knowledge is today uh, over those 10 years, from maybe 20 years old to 30 years old. Um, I also, I think, you know, the mind can be a very powerful thing and you need to put in your mind what you want and get out of your mind what you don't want. So if you, you know, if you're chasing a dream and somebody that you're around keeps telling you, no, you can't do that, no, you can't do that, well, you're you're feeding your mind information that uh, you can't be feeding your mind because if, if you keep putting that information in there, you're going to start to believe it. Um, so you have to surround yourself uh, with people that empower you and not hold you back and bring you down. Um, you know, ones that um, kind of support the vision or the dream and, and don't get in the way of achieving it. Um, so I think the, that's the long answer, Garrett, to your question of, of where do you learn some of that stuff. I, I think it's you got to learn from the most successful people in the industry um, and even others in other industries. So if you're, you, know, you want to be a business owner that happens to provide tax services, it doesn't mean you have to stay in the in the accounting industry. You can look at what other successful business owners are doing, uh, what books they're reading, what they're putting in their mind, um, you know, and learn from from their failures. So hopefully, uh, you could have less failures. No, oh, I, I love it, and I don't mind you bringing up your uncle because it's something I've seen in, in doing several of these interviews that it's not. It's really do they bring it back to this college course um, and what college taught them, but if they had this very inspirational person in their life that was doesn't matter what generation they were, but they were just a truly inspirational person that helped them get on this path to success and put those ideas in their mind, sometimes in an early age, sometimes in a later age. So it's great to hear those stories. Um, and I really like what you said there, too, about just continuing to learn from others, reach out, different industries, different companies, and especially some young CPAs get in the profession they don't have necessarily a lot of great role models where they might work. You might be the smaller 20, 30 person regional firm, and you know the who I'm talking about with that type of firm that's a little more traditional in their practices. 
they have no great role models. They're not learning these things internally, so they've really got to reach out to other sources to get that information. Um, don't be, you know, turned off by what you see internally at the firm, but look for those sources of information out there with technology. There's no limit to it. Um, and I've always been really impressed with what you guys are doing with technology to really take it to the next level. You guys are really embracing technology. How do you guys help use technology to help CPA firms be more successful? Yeah, we really use, um, I guess there's, there's a couple purposes behind the technology that we've created, um, but it's really to streamline plug-and-play processes for accounting firms um, to deliver advisory services. So, so often when we go into an accounting firm um, or even um, even a student or, or a young professional that's, that's just new in the accounting profession, one of my concerns would be if I was hearing this podcast as well, great, you know, you guys are talking about adding advisory services, but, you know, I've never run a business. I don't have three years of experience, and it's of doing tax work. How can I go out and deliver value, add value um, to successful business owners when I have very limited experience? So a lot of our technology was created with that in mind, um, not just for the young professionals, but also, you know, older professionals that are experts in their area of tax or compliance or audit whatever it may be, what we find is when they sit um, at a table with a business owner, uh, it's very hard for them to have a conversation outside of their scope of expertise. Um, so everything that we've built into our technology is to eliminate that lack of confidence uh, from either a young accountant, and you know, it doesn't really matter the age, it even could be an older accountant, um, to eliminate that lack of, of confidence and really give uh, the those accountants, the framework and a process that they can rely upon to deliver advisory services, and they don't have to be the expert. They don't have to, you know, know about uh, ways to grow a business. They don't have to uh, know all the efficiencies that need to be had in a business to uh, be super efficient. They just need to know the, how to follow our process, to use the technology uh, throughout that process, and the technology is going to do a lot of the heavy lifting and really provide them with data and information to go have meaningful meetings and conversations with their clients that they typically wouldn't be able to have. Oh, that's that's very interesting, and it's definitely a big shift for the profession overall. And it can be tough to get that comfort, but I really like your guys' approach. And it's interesting to hear you talk again and again. I hear the word data, big data. Um, you know, for the for the younger audience, that millennial generation and younger, that's almost even more up their alley. You know, they're not going to know the tax code, but they seem to have a greater comfort with big data because um, the world that seems to be just revolve around big data online, whether it's social, Google, whatever. It's just big data everywhere that we're plugging into, which sounds yeah. a lot more what your services are evolving into. It's just using how do we use this big data to advise our clients. Yeah, and it's also the data that the, you know, that the CPAs already have access to from, you know, being in that trusted role um, and being under the hood, if you will, um, but then also getting into the mind of the business owner. So a lot of our piece of our technology gets into all the intangibles that uh, are uh, within a particular business, uh, which there's not many tools out there that we're aware of, um, and, and quite frankly, not many advisors out there 
uh, spend too much time talking about the intangibles in a business um, when they should because intangibles can make up about 80% of the value of, of businesses, whether public or private. Um, but in most cases, they're not discussed because there's there's no process or system uh, to discuss them or to analyze them or benchmark them. Um, so we're excited to have a tool that actually does that. Um, and it's funny you bring up uh, kind of uh, um, what you were saying earlier about some of the millennials and coming out of college and big data and all that stuff. We have uh, one of our partners out in Denver. His son is studying accounting at uh, the University of Colorado, and he actually asked us uh, a few weeks ago. He said, so everything, is everything I'm learning in my accounting classes going to be irrelevant by the time I get an accounting job in four or five years? Um, and uh, <laughs> we thought it was interesting that that's what he came back with after studying a little bit uh, about what we're doing. So how did you answer the question for him? Yeah, we, we said that, or I said, I don't think it's irrelevant. Um, even if you were to uh, get into a position uh, where you're delivering advisory services and driving the value of companies, um, what you're learning now in college still serves as a great base and, and a background and a foundation uh, for you to build upon. Um, so that, that was kind of how we answered it for him. Okay. Now, you know, with that, if you're not you're a current college student or recent college grad, you've completed a traditional undergrad or master's program in accounting. What additional learning do you think they should really kind of expand outside their course curriculum to help them get ready for this new shift? You know, what would you say is the other piece they need to learn that maybe school didn't get them ready for? Yeah. Um, you know, that's a great question, Garrett. I would focus, if I was in those shoes, um, I would focus on kind of what I said earlier, figure out what some of the groups that are having some success. There, there's definitely some CPA firms out there right now um, that that are having unbelievable growth uh, because some of the things that they're doing that are different. Um, so I would, and I think you hit on it a little earlier, is not, not just um, learn from the accounting firm that you're currently in, but try to learn from, from the other peers and, um, stay in tune what's going on in the profession, uh, what's going on with technology. Um, ultimately, um, I would say go work for a, a CPA firm that is a client of ours at Hayden Rock. You'll have a lot more fun and be fulfilling. <laughs> and we'll train, we'll, we'll train you along the way. So that's the, that's the quick and easy, uh, answer, Garrett. Very nice. I like it. So also speaking of kind of generations, and I know you're a millennial yourself, and You've got an interesting viewpoint working with across different CPA firms. Generational differences are talked about more and more lately. What do you see as some of the differences between the generations that allows them still to be successful, whether they're a millennial, a Generation X, or a baby boomer? What do you see as those common success characteristics across the generations? Yeah. Um, the biggest one I would say is open-minded. So, um, even when we go into uh, some of these accounting firms that they might have a, you know, a 60-year-old or 65-year-old managing partner, um, originally you would think they're not going to be open to change because they're they're just kind of cruising to to get to retirement and they go on their way. Um, the ones that that I see that are open-minded and are willing to 
think outside the box and consider other uh, other areas of expertise and, and are still have that driving passion to lead their firm regardless of what their individual goals are. Um, you know, you, you look at those firms and, and you can see why they're growing by 20, 30, 40% a year. Um, their leadership is, is typically open-minded. Um, they have a passion, like I said earlier, a passion to to be different, to uh, keep driving ahead, to uh, be on the the, uh, the tip of the spear uh, during this paradigm shift in the accounting industry. Um, they're typically good communicators, uh, and by communicators they listen. And so it doesn't mean just just start speaking and speak aloud. It's you know they're listening when other people are are, are talking, and ultimately that's how you learn. I think so. Um, th- those are some of the key characteristics, regardless if um, if it's a managing partner, partners that are 50, 60, 65, or, you know, last week I was in a firm where the managing partner was 38. I don't know that they have anyone older in their whole firm of 50 or 60 people uh, that are older than 40 years old, but I would say their, their, their characteristics and in, in what's making them successful, in my opinion, is uh, similar to uh, what I just, just described there. Which is great. It's great to kind of hear that there's there's still a lot of you know all these generations are completely different in how they look. There are some nuances, but some of those common successful characteristics are a little more universal. Um, so speaking of that, what do you think are some of the best ways in the accounting world in a firm that they can work to kind of bridge the gap between the baby boomers and the millennials? Yeah, um, I would just say collaboration and. Um, Try to work together um, more often. Um, so we we did an interview recently of um, of one accountant, um, and somehow the the question came up of you know how do you typically present when you're trying to go out and win new business? And uh, his answer was well, <laughs> most CPA firms they'll bring one of their other senior partners, and maybe one or two senior partners will go out and try to win the business. And he said, I do exactly the opposite. I bring, I bring one of the youngest people with me because I'm going after technology firms. And, and typically when I'm going after these firms, the owners are in their mid twenties, early thirties. So I bring one of our, uh, one of our other, uh, could be a manager, um, or one of the other accountants that are in their mid twenties or early thirties to show them that, um, you know, I get it. I, I understand that you guys, um, being millennials might, uh, might think differently, act differently, and um, but I want to show you that I'm open to uh, working with you, and, and you know, don't discount my services just because I'm not a millennial. So I thought that was a pretty neat example I heard of recently that uh, this accountant's doing something different. He's he's taking a little bit of risk. He's bringing uh, junior accountants, whereas the typical industry standard would be to bring your bring your best sales guy in with his nicest suit. He's He's going to these meetings in jeans and a T-shirt because that's what the people he's trying to attract are wearing to the meetings. And that's a very interesting, different approach, which, you know, it makes sense when you, when you hear it out loud that you know, it's all about kind of knowing your audience and what they want. And, yeah, if you bring three people into the meeting that are above 60, all dressed in their fancy suits with a whole lot of paper, yeah, it's probably not going to resonate with that high-tech client. First, you bring in a couple twenty-year-olds with some t-shirts and sneakers and and laptops. You'll build a better connection there. So that's a very interesting approach. 
Um, yeah, I agree. That was a uh, yeah, that was uh, that was probably one of the better stories I stories I heard recently. But that's a that's a perfect example how you can kind of collaborate a, a, across different generations. Um, I had another meeting recently where um, the managing partner was probably in his sixties, a very large firm uh, here domestically, and uh, he must have just came out of a meeting with a uh, a millennial because when he walked in. Um, he had said, "Man, millennials are so smart." And uh, this was this was probably uh, it might have been our second meeting where we haven't decided that we were working together yet. And you know, I of course said, "Well, just so you know, I'm a millennial too." <laughs> Very nice. Can I get the plug in there. Any way to kind of get them on board? Um, well, it's, it's always amazing to hear, especially with your unique perspective, seeing multiple different firms and what they do. Um, you can kind of learn from their successes and their failures or their good ideas and their bad ideas. Do you see more good ideas from the firms or bad ideas when you start to work with the firms? What do you kind of see for the flavor right now in, in the profession, especially from an outsider? You know, I when I talk to a firm, I, I've spent my whole career in the industry, so I have a very different viewpoint than you coming in more new to it, seeing these different ideas. Yeah, I think the ideas are getting better, um, just, just because the urgency, I think, is is uh, getting larger. So, like I said earlier, five years ago, um, being different and adding different services, and you know, if it is advisory services, they were more of a nice to have than a must have. Currently, we see it that it's more of a, a must have, um, which is forcing. CPAs and firms to think outside the box a little bit. How are they going to reinvent themselves? How are they going to, you know, if I'm a business owner and I move into, um, I'm sitting in Tom's River, New Jersey today. If I move into Tom's River, New Jersey, there might be 300 CPAs within a, you know, 10, 15 mile drive of, of my, of my office. Um, you know, how did, how do those 300 CPAs differentiate themselves amongst each other? Um, and, and differentiate themselves to me and, and, you know, show me a different value proposition and um, talk to me about how they're going to help me achieve my big business outcomes um, and my goals in life. Um, so I, I think the urgency is making uh, CPA firms start to think down that road um, of, of how they are different and what they do that's unique and um, all of that good stuff. So I, I think we're seeing... Um, we're starting to see uh, better ideas for sure, um, but I would still say there's probably 60% of the firms that we speak to. I might speak to five or six new firms a week, so I do go out and speak to a bunch of new firms. I would say maybe 60% of them are your traditional, you know, uh, tax, compliance, audit. Um, you might have a couple niches, but we're not really offering any other services. We probably put on our website that we have a whole list of services, but if you call up and ask for one of them, we're going to scramble behind the scenes to figure out how to deliver it. Um, but they, they also know that they need to do something. So um, we are seeing a lot of open minds to to move and make that change. And, you know, quite frankly, I don't think it's, it's all the CPA firm's uh, fault of inaction. I do think there's a lot of people out there that talk about, you know, you do need to reinvent yourselves. You do need to add advisory services. You do need to go to value-based billing. You need to do all this good stuff, but there's very few solutions out there that say, 
okay, not only do you need to do it, but we're going to show you how to do it, and we're going to hold your hand each step of the way. Uh, and by the way, we've already done this for 20-plus years, um, so you can trust us, and, and we're here to guide you along that path. Which is a great message and a great tool to, to be able to deliver to the CPA funders out there. You know, even as hearing you talk right now, two words really stuck out of my mind of value proposition and differentiating factors. And thinking over my career, you know, for the first, you know, many years of my career, those were words that were pretty much in public accounting never uttered anywhere. And as we started to hit this paradigm shift, it's it suddenly, oh, as an industry, these aren't new value proposition and differentiating factors aren't new business terms overall, but they're just new to the public accounting landscape. Um, so it's interesting hearing this more traditional business strategy finally making its way into how do you run a CPA firm. And it sounds like yeah, you're doing a great job ushering them on and how to do that. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think the key is the value. What's the value that you provide, not necessarily the product that you put out, um, the values in you. So as long as you're providing value as a human being to another human being, business owner or fluent client or whoever it is that you're trying to help, um, as long as it's you providing that value, uh, you'll never be replaced by technology and you'll differentiate yourself because so many advisors out there, whether they're accountants, uh, attorneys, insurance uh, representatives, um, whomever it may be, they typically uh, provide products that they perceive is the value that they're providing, but it's really it's really not. Uh, what, what business owners want, what the fluid clients want uh, is is value, which is which is you. So, great, great insight there, Brian. Um, I'm going to mix things up a little bit for you. One of our common questions from our audience, being the the younger generation, the the 20 to 25 year old just out of school, is what can you do to impress your boss besides the generic things as being late, staying late, or being technically strong? What are some of some of the things they can start doing tomorrow, a few months from now, and a year from now? to help really grow and advance their career? Yeah, in most cases, your boss is going to be a business owner. Um, so I would try to understand what's keeping your boss up at night. What are his biggest priorities? What are his his or her uh, biggest priorities, his or her biggest initiatives over the next six months, 12 months? And if you can help simplify their life and help them get over the roadblocks they're hitting as business owners, and obviously you're going to shine and you're going to be a little different than probably everybody else in that business. That's awesome. That is that is that is great advice. Once again, I love the fact that you've got that different background, which makes that answer totally unique than almost everybody else we have on the podcast that, that grew up in the CPA profession. Um, so thank you for that. It really kind of rounds out our whole, our whole podcast series with some great answers. Um, now, Brian, is there anything else that you want to touch base on today while we're chatting? No, I, I think um, hopefully you get from this podcast is is uh, make the most of opportunities. Um, and sometimes it could be hard to change and go out there and try to do something different. Um, but there's only one thing I believe that's harder than that to deal with, and that's, that's dealing with regret and, and not maximizing your potential and, dealing with all the what-ifs, what if I did this, what if I did that, um, because at the end of the day, life's too short. Um, you only get one shot at this, and, and this isn't a walkthrough. So, you know, definitely have fun, jump out of bed excited to attack whatever it is you're attacking, 
work with people that make you better. You know, I'm I'm lucky every day I go to go to work with six partners and an awesome awesome staff. You know, and I would tell you each one of those partners are more intelligent than me, more accomplished than me, uh, and I'm still learning from everything they've done, not just with our company here at Hayden Rock, but what they've done throughout their careers, um, which challenges me and which, you know, uh, can, can make a nightmare of some days, but it, but it's what, what, it's what makes us tick, the, the challenge of uh, continually being great. Um, and at the end of the day, if, if you don't do it, somebody else will. So, you know, and then you'll have that feeling of regret of, you know, what if I would have done this or what if I would have done that. Um, so I would just say enjoy enjoy the ride. Um, go after uh, any opportunity you, you think is worth it and um, have some fun with it. Jump out of bed excited to go to work every day. I like the sound of it. Have some fun with it. Now, if our, any of our listeners want to learn more about Hayden Rock Solutions, what's the best way to, they can learn more about Hayden Rock? Just go to the website or? Yeah, they could go to HaydenRock.com, H-A-Y-D-E-N-R-O-C-K.com. Um, and then I'm obviously available to, uh, to anyone that wants to pick my brain, even if it has nothing to do with uh, solutions that we offer at Hayden Rock. I just want uh, general advice or want me to make a connection to somewhere they're trying to connect into, they can reach me at uh, my email is b as in boy, e, b as in boy, e-r-l-e, at haydenrock.com. So that is b, Everly, at haydenrock.com. That's great. And I'll just kind of add from the moderator standpoint of, you know, when I was coming up in the profession, I would listen to things like this and I'd hear people just like you at the end say that, of, hey, reach out to me if, if you want to learn something. And for the longest time I didn't, um, just it was just wasn't sure they really wanted to hear from me. But as I've gotten older and it's gotten a lot wiser, I've realized that it tends to be people like you that are on these type of things that are here for a reason because they want to share that knowledge. So if you do reach out to them, they'll probably be very happy for it. Um, so those listening, if you love what Brian had to say, don't be afraid to reach out to him. He's, he's a, a great guy full of tremendous insight and I'm sure he'll be happy to talk to you. Yeah, I'd welcome that, Garrett. In full transparency, I'd love to uh, – the reason I do make that offer is I love to learn from everybody. So I'm sure they're not only going to learn from me, I'm going to learn uh, what's making them tick and, and try to learn anything I can from anybody who reaches out from me. So it'll be a nice two-way street. Well, that's great. I want to thank Brian for the time today. Hopefully all of our listeners really enjoyed this. It was a very unique viewpoint, a little non-traditional CPA, CPA world person. I know I was excited to be a part of this. Hopefully you were all too. Thanks and have a great day, everybody.